Good morning. It's great to see you. Welcome to Providence Church. Uh, my name is Jacob. If we haven't had a chance uh, to meet yet, I'm really, really glad that each of you are here. And hopefully uh, our prayer is that you can uh, sense the Lord's presence here today and, and connect, uh, connect with God. Uh, I was thinking we have about 150 people that are coming on Monday nights and praying and preparing to fast throughout the week. And, you know, I see God's uh, working through the prayers and the, and the fasting of, of the church. Uh, we also, uh, this weekend, in the space that you're in, we had a women's event uh, right in this place, a conference actually that was being live streamed all over uh, the country. And we were one of the places that it came. So we had about 120 of our women right here in this space worshiping God uh, all weekend. So uh, they were in here and... Uh, uh, so if you see like an M&M on the floor or something like that, um, there was a lot of snacks. I'm just saying there was a lot of snacks uh, <laughs> throughout the weekend. Um, I also wanted you to know that this morning we have about uh, 48 or 49 of our students, most of them seventh graders, not all, uh, beginning a journey called confirmation. And so I wanted you to know that and be holding that in your heart uh, as we worship and as we pray here. Uh, we've got this whole crop of young people. Think about that, 13, 14-year-olds who are gonna go through a process of learning more about Jesus and coming to a place where they'll have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus like, like Kaylin uh, just did. So as we move towards Easter, be thinking about them and be praying for them as they go on that journey. Uh, I wanted you to know our Easter times, uh, that's really coming up soon. Next week is March and Easter this year is at the end of March. So you'll see that we'll have, uh, like we usually do, we're having some services on Saturday, the day before Easter, and then also our normal times on Sunday. You can see there the prov.church slash save your seat. Some of you are familiar with that. That's just a way for us to prepare for the weekend. Uh, we expect several thousand people to be with us that weekend. And so when you do that, I just want you to know it helps us a ton to be able to prepare, prepare overflow spaces, um, you know, how many police officers we need in the parking lot, all that, all that kind of stuff. So uh, let us know about that. And we would love for you to uh, pray about uh, and come on Saturday if you can uh, to make room for people uh, on, on Sunday, especially at 9.30 and 11. The week before that is a Sunday we call Palm Sunday. It's just the Sunday before Easter, March 24th. That Sunday we'll be having Easter egg hunts all throughout the morning. So we wanted you to know about that. Um, after 8, 9.30 and 11, you can bring, uh, bring your kids, uh, people bring their grandkids, bring any child you are approved to bring, uh, you can bring to the Easter egg hunt. It is a wild crazy, wonderful day. It's a day you don't want to miss. And, and so while we're having all the children, all these things going on, we are like getting in ready mode for Easter and Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. It's just a really cool day uh, to help prepare for the week that's coming there. We've been studying the book of Luke, and we're going to continue in that in Luke chapter 5. Today I'm going to read you a short story. And then we'll give thanks for it together by saying thanks be to God. And then we'll get rocking right here and seeing what Jesus is up to in Luke chapter 5. When he, that's Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him, Jesus went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. 
but he would withdraw to desolate or lonely places and pray. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, my family this weekend, we've been celebrating my oldest daughter's birthday. Uh, she just turned 20 years old. So yeah, there's that. And uh, we've had a great time uh, just being with her. She's amazing. Uh, it got me thinking about when Mary was born 20 years ago. Uh, I was a student studying to be a pastor. I was in, in seminary. So I was a full-time student. Uh, I also was a part-time pastor, so I, would, I lived in Murfreesboro and served a church there, and every day I would drive to Sewanee, Tennessee, where I went to school, go to school all day, and I would come home and go to work in the afternoons and the, the evenings, so it was a busy time. It was a time that I remember Rachel was staying home with Mary, and so it was a time uh, that I remember there was lots of love, you know, lots of joy and not very much money. That's what I remember about that time. And so I would try to, anytime I could, just pick up an odd job, pick up you know, another place to make some money. And I heard this guy told me about this, um, this moving company that if you just showed up at this certain time, really early in the morning, there was all these guys that would show up. Uh, and if you showed up, you could um, join the moving crew for that day. And then at the end of the night, they would just pay you cash for the day you worked. You could go whenever you wanted and that kind of thing. I think that's illegal, um, but... <laughs> This is a long time ago, and you've never heard of the area, Rutherford County. And so, anyways, I sounded like a good deal. So I went uh, one Friday morning. I had a day off school, and I showed up early. And the cool thing is, is, like, nobody knew who anybody was. And, like, and immediately, you're a part of the moving crew. They literally gave me a moving uniform, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so we go out, a bunch of guys, to go move this house. And everybody just thinks I'm a part of the, of the moving crew. And I learned pretty early on that we were working for the truck driver. So this truck driver had like been contracted to move this house. And then we were the guys working for him. He's the one who would pay us at the end of the night from, from what he made. And uh, I learned really early on that these guys were actually skilled at moving. Like there's actually things you need to know how to do to move a house quickly. And I didn't know how to do those things. And they picked up on that quickly. Uh, especially Don, who was the truck driver. And he was this kind of rough, tough guy. And he just, he starts giving it to me. Like he could tell that I, it's sort of like Animal Planet with the weakest gazelle in the pack. You know, he's like, he's going to kill, he was going to get me. And he's, he's like telling me, you're a terrible mover, man. You stink at this, all this kind of stuff. So it, it was even worse than that. We, we couldn't get Don's 18-wheeler down the driveway where the house was. So they had to park the 18-wheeler, the big truck, out on the highway, like two miles away. And they brought this other truck, like a, you know, like a U-Haul sort of size truck. And so we would move everything into that truck and then we would drive two miles we'd be on the highway and we would unload it the other effectively moving the house twice and so everybody was in a really bad mood and and like I said this guy Don is taking it out on me one time it got so bad the lady who the house we were moving for she starts taking up for me which is not helpful at all <laughs> in fact when we got back later in the afternoon and we're unloading the small truck into the big truck on the side of the road, Don says to me, he says, so I see you got the lady taken up for you now. And I had had, I had had enough, you know? I was just sort of like, he had just been railing on me all day. And so I, I sort of sounded like a wimp and I was like, uh, said something like, well, I guess I'm just not cut out for this type of work, Don, you know? And he said, uh, he said, yeah, what are you cut out for? <laughs> this is the line I remember him saying. He said, what are you good for anyway? And so I set the box down and I turned to Don. I looked him in the face, you know, and I said, Don, I'm a preacher. 
and today's my day off, and I'm just trying to make a little extra money. And this is what Don said. He said, uh, oh. <laughs> that was it. So we finish unloading, and we're going to go back to the house, and Don says to the guys, he says, hey, you guys go back and get another load. I'm going to stay here and talk with the preacher. I'm like, great, this is how it ends, you know, <laughs> this is it. And then he did something I did not know you could do. He opened up the sides of the trailer. I didn't know this. They were like doors, both sides. He opened them up. It was a hot summer day and it was humid in the back of that truck. But this breeze began to blow in off the highway. We sat down. We threw our legs over the edge. There's cars zooming by. Don lights up a cigarette. He looks over at me and he says, I'm 40 and I feel like I'm 60. He said, I've been on this road my whole life and I feel like I will never get off of it. And then he said, but I have this dream. Now I look over at him. I'm still not like loving this dude, you know? <laughs> like I'm not like endeared to him. He's literally been giving it to me all day long. But in a moment, I saw him through the eyes of God. This rough, tough, rascal of a truck driver, like just in a second. It wasn't, that's all, that's as long as it lasted, you know? I saw him and I was like, oh. And so, while the rest of those dudes were loading up that truck, I said, okay, Don, tell me about your dream. And he would tell me a little bit about it and I would say, I still can't see it, man. Paint the picture, share it with me, share it with me. And the details of his dream aren't that uh, important uh, for us today. He had this land in North Carolina and he wanted to create a camp for underprivileged inner city kids like he had been um, to have this ex experience. But what I will always remember about it, I was 23 years old, is God showed me that he is calling to all of us regardless of who we are. And that he actually has a dream that he's, for humanity that he's wanting to enlist us in. And this is what I've learned after 20 years. There's, he, God actually has a, a higher success track record with rascals than he does religious people in getting their attention and getting them to give everything up and follow him. That's what we saw last week when we were studying Jesus. The first guy he calls is a fisherman, Simon, who gets the name Peter. And shortly thereafter, I mean, like in that moment, two other people join James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They're three Galilean fishermen, total rascals. And I'm not saying that like they probably were, like we know their stories. We know how they acted. They knew, we know they were selfish. We know they were thinking about themselves. We know they said stuff when they shouldn't say it, did stuff they shouldn't do. They were absolute rascals. The first people Jesus enlists are Peter, James, and John. And the first thing Peter does in the presence of Jesus is he falls down at his feet and he says, you, you shouldn't want me, man. I am a sinful man. And last week I told you guys um, that uh, I was kind of worried how you would take it. And then you accepted it way more readily than I thought. I said, we have a church full of rascals. And y'all are like, heck yeah, all right. You know, I'm like, oh, it's like, I didn't want you to be that excited about it. Um, <laughs> Jesus told us though, that his purpose was to seek and save the lost. That's who he was thinking about. That's who he was looking for. But he doesn't just rescue people out of the ditch. He enlists them in the dream that God has, which is for lost people to be saved. And so the former lost people, the former scoundrels, the former people with leprosy immediately are enlisted into joining Jesus in what he's doing. 
The way I want us to look at it this morning, what we see in this story about the man with leprosy, and I wish there was another way we could refer to him. I wish we knew his name. But we see that every rascal initially has a problem. Every rascal has a need. We're going to look at each one of these. Every rascal has a belief, if ever so small. And those things together, problem plus need plus belief equals falling at the feet of Jesus every time. Okay? That's what Peter did when he came up on the beach. It says Peter saw it, the miraculous catch of fish. So Peter realized that what was happening with God was now happening in him. Uh, we'll go back and look at it in uh, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, the fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. That's the same reaction that the man with leprosy has when he sees Jesus. We'll go, uh, let's go back and look at that verse. It says, While he was in one of the cities, Jesus uh, came upon this man full of rep- leprosy, and when he, the man with leprosy, saw Jesus, he fell on his face, <laughs> fell on his face, and begged him, "Lord, if you will, you can make me clean." So again, the problem plus the need plus belief equals falling at the feet of Jesus. And so, what I want you uh, to think about a couple of things today is: When was the last time you fell down at the feet of Jesus? Like, that sounds drastic. Do we really do that? Well, I'm just telling you the first people who encountered Jesus when they did in his presence, they would just like get on the ground. Right? And then also I want you to think about like, uh, what's your problem today? What's your problem? <laughs> did you know that there's a, there's a big bunch of problems in this room right now? You're not the problem. That's not what I'm saying. But you carry with you problems. If you're looking for the church filled with people who have no problems, 2293 South Rutland Road is not the place. We all have a bunch of problems, stuff that we are dealing with. And problem plus need plus belief equals falling at the feet of Jesus. So the man with leprosy, what was his problem? Well, he had a skin problem. He had something wrong with his skin. And in those days, a skin problem was a really big problem. Sort of like us, uh, you know, if somebody sort of noticed something, you know, on their hand or their face, a skin problem, they were supposed to go and report to the priest. I'm glad we don't still do that, okay? Uh, but that was the way it worked then. So if you had something wrong with your skin, this is in Leviticus, you can read about it. You would go and meet with the priest. The priest would examine you and then immediately put you into, no matter what, put you into a seven-day quarantine, you would be isolated from everyone else. You would be uh, called what they called unclean. You got something wrong with your skin? Because they, uh, they didn't know all the names for it. It was a variety of ailments. They, would then, they could call leprosy. And if you had leprosy, you were toast. There was no, uh, there was no known uh, way to heal it. So those of us who've been around the last several years, imagine something is happening. We have no known way to heal it. And so what the people prescribe to deal with it is just get that person away for a number of days. That actually does work to keep it from spreading, but it also has all kinds of other problems, right? All kinds of other implications that come with isolation or being pushed out or being thinking that you are different. So after seven days, you would go back to the priest and the priest would look at your hand and say, ah, just poison ivy, man. Have a great day. Or they would say, you have leprosy. You will now spend the rest of your life away from your family, away from your town, away from your children, away from your occupation. You will live the rest of your life in a totally different way because of the problem. 
And that's what the man in our story had. It says that he was full of leprosy. His skin was falling off. He did not pass the seven day test and then had been excommunicated and was now this dude that everybody knew that you're supposed to get, stay away from. Luke, the writer of the gospel, most people think was a physician of sorts. His description here of this man's leprosy is he's full of it. It's a big problem. And when he sees Jesus, he just falls on his face. But we see that the man with leprosy not only had a problem, he also had a need that he expresses. And hang with me for a second. A problem and a need, they're closely connected, but they're not the same thing. All of you have problems. All, I have problems. We don't always know what we really need for the problem. Think about somebody you know who might have a big problem. Sometimes the first thing you have to do is help them see that there's something they need because of that problem. Well, the man with leprosy, he understood that I not only have a problem, he was able to articulate his need. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He's saying, I have a need for you to pronounce me as a man of God clean. Why? Because at some point with his skin problem after seven days, they didn't just say you have leprosy. They said, you are unclean. And the unclean didn't just denote a physical problem, but a spiritual problem. You are now unclean to never go into the temple to never go in the synagogue, to never be around other people. In fact, in some of the places, the lepers, when they, uh, people saw them or approached their camps on the outskirts of town, they would have to yell, unclean, unclean. They would have to say over and over this pronouncement that they had something wrong with them spiritually. So the man with leprosy, he doesn't even initially go to, hey, will you take all my skin problems away? He says, what I need you to do is I need you to make me clean. That's the need that I have that is underneath the problem. Now, sometimes it's hard to know what the need is because all we see is the problem. You may have a problem right now, a relationship problem, a skin problem, a physical problem, a drug problem. Uh, there's all kinds of problem with your kid. There's all kinds of problems that we can have. And most of the time, all we see is the problem. But what this uh, scripture shows us is that there is a way to begin to understand our need spiritually in the problem. And the way is, is to get in the presence of Jesus. When he saw Jesus, now if you go back to that scripture, when he saw Jesus, that's when he fell on his face. When he saw Jesus is when he was, being, was then able to sort of begin to articulate that he had a belief. Remember we said last week with Peter, you don't even have to have that much belief as a rascal. I mean, just an inkling of it, just a, just a thought to say, maybe if I send these guys back to move, I can tell this preacher guy what's really going on with me. He just had this tiny thing that led him to say something. And the man with leprosy articulates his belief when he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He had heard that Jesus was healing people. And so he falls on his feet and he says this statement, which is, it's really amazing. It's, it is like perfect systematic theology. The man with leprosy has his theology down. And I've learned this in the last 20 years. It's oftentimes the rascal that really can understand the way God works. <laughs> because what they see is their problem and their need and they just have a little bit of belief and so they speak the belief. Let, let me show you what he says. This is, this is great theology, his statement. He says, Lord. So he starts by acknowledging that Jesus is someone above him, that he's looking to him as someone who has power that he does not have. Lord, if you will... So he says, if you will, meaning like, I don't know if you will, 
I don't always understand what you do. I don't know how your healing power works, but if it be your will, you can make me clean. So he puts all the onus on Jesus and his power, acknowledging that he believes he has the power to do it, but leaving him the ability to do whatever he wants to do while saying, I know that you can do it. That's what Peter said on the beach. Remember, he, uh, he, uh, Jesus like, go fishing again. Peter's been fishing all night. He says, all right, because you say so, I will do it. If you will, you can do it. And when you begin to articulate those kind of beliefs, everything that comes after for you and for everyone who knows what you've said, everything that comes after will be pointing to God. It'll be God's fault. If something happens after Peter throws the nets in the water, the, if there's a miracle that happens, everyone will have to say, God did it. The leper is saying, if anything ever happens with my skin, you know, in this, in this moment, in this instance, there will be no way out but to point to Jesus who did it. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Why is his good theology so important to point out? Because he lived in a time when there was a very messed up theology and so do you. He lived in a time where people had gotten it all mixed up about what it meant to have a skin problem. You see, he had told, been told by the priest that his skin problem was a sin problem because you've got something going on that we don't want around us. That means we're gonna push you out and that means you get no access to the community and you get no more access to God, no more access to the priest. That's bad theology. But they didn't really know how to handle their problems and so they just kind of had to figure it out and says, at least the problem will be out of our sight. We'll push them out there. And some of you maybe not have that exact theology, but you've learned things over time that all your problems, all the hard things that you face in this life are your fault. That's what you've been told. That's what you've been taught. And definitely, guys, we know sin has consequences and all that kind of stuff. But it's a messed up theology when you get to a place of thinking I am this corrupt person and God and the church would never want to, for me to even be in their sight. Why? Because God's telling us his very own son's purpose was to seek out and save the people who are lost and feel lost. So <laughs> problem plus need plus belief gets us to a place where we would fall at the feet of Jesus. I want you to think about today, uh, what's your problem and in the presence of Jesus, he has a way of showing us what our actual need is. You see, what the man with leprosy teaches us is not that in this life, every one of our skin problems are gonna be taken away, but that Jesus will meet all of our needs. He will meet all of our spiritual needs, even when we don't understand. If you will, what are you gonna do, Jesus? Are you gonna heal me? Are you gonna heal this person? We don't know all that, but we know that Jesus cares in a way that he is setting up a situation, say with me, where everything is going to be okay. On Monday, I um, attended a graveside service for one of our church members, Pastor Mark was presiding over it, but I went and I just sort of stood in the, in the back. It was at the Mount Juliet Memorial Gardens Monday afternoon. It was this beautiful sunny afternoon. It was for a guy named Tony. I didn't even know Tony. They haven't been here at the church very long. But um, on that day, on Monday, was actually the 55th anniversary 
of Tony and his wife Zoe's marriage. And so when we arrived, Mark and uh, Pastor Jenny and I, we all kind of arrived at the same time. Um, Zoe, his wife, was in the car and she was writing on something we were kind of waiting for. And when she comes out, we realize that she's been writing an anniversary card for Tony. Um, and she said, uh, Tony used to always say, it's you and me and it's me and you. And she's like, I went to Kroger and I found this card. And that's literally what it said on the front. It's me and you and it's you and me. And she was so excited. And she brought this 55th anniversary card for Tony. She brought it up. It was just a small family gathering. And um, they began to share about Tony. And here's what I heard. And I confirmed this with them before, before I told you guys. Tony was a complete rascal. A complete rascal. <laughs> I wish I could tell you all the stories. But as a young man, uh, actually in Germany, he received the gospel and like Kalen said yes to Jesus and his whole life changed. But it didn't take away his rascalness. But he spent his whole life pointing people to Jesus. That's the legacy of Tony's life. I saw his family, his children, his grandchildren, his neighbors were there and they were all talking about and actually professing their faith. They read the 23rd Psalm. Um, we prayed and I saw their faith. They had a problem that day, a real problem. And that was Tony was gone. But they were able to express their need to Jesus. Um, and then um, Jenny came up and saying, that's why I asked Jenny to come. Looks like she brought some friends as well. Um, and Jenny just came up at the end and sang the song she's about to sing to you. And I saw her family singing the words. This is what I want you to, to see. They were saying out of their mouths, it is well with our souls. And I thought, wow, that's really odd, you know. They got a big problem. But you see, when you understand your need correctly before God, there's actually your ability to say, and yet everything is and is going to be okay. And so I just wanted you to receive that moment, sort of like a family moment, and have you ponder what that would mean for you to say, I believe everything's going to be okay. Take 